Welcome to the Birthful Podcast. I'm Adriana Lozada, and today we'll be talking about jaundice. It's estimated that about three in five babies will show some level of jaundice. Why is it so prevalent, and what are the different types of jaundice? How do you get rid of it? If your child is jaundice, when should you be worried? How does it affect breastfeeding? Dr. Jack Newman tells us more. Stay tuned. This episode of Birthful is brought to you by Natural Breastfeeding and their free quick start video, which shows you a simple technique to prevent nipple pain and the easiest way to help your newborn latch and for you to produce enough milk for your baby. Go watch it at naturalbreastfeeding.com. The Birthful Podcast, talking to maternity pros to inform your intuition. Hello, Mighty Mamas and Mamas-to-be. As always, thank you for listening and for all the love you give the show. It really makes me so happy to read the reviews that you leave on iTunes and which also help to get the show in front of more mamas because reviews and subscriptions boost our iTunes rankings. So please leave a review on iTunes, even if that's not how you usually listen to it, like Here's one, for example, that Stephanie and Western Mass did recently. Stephanie says, the podcast is engaging to listen to and a wonderful resource. The guests are dynamic and informative, and Adriana guides the talk so smoothly, asking questions when necessary so mamas have all the answers they need. And if that weren't enough, there are awesome links posted with each episode if you want more information. Start listening to the, this podcast early in your pregnancy because it will inform every decision you will make from pregnancy through birth and postpartum. Thank you, Stephanie from Western Mass for those super kind words. I'm so glad you found this weekly thing we do useful and that it's helped you through your pregnancy. And if like Stephanie, you are finding that the podcast helps inform a lot of your maternity related decisions, then go over to patreon.com slash birthful and become a friend of the show. Pledges start at $1 per month, which is only a quarter per episode and way more helpful than another baby bib. Go show your love at patreon.com slash birthful. So today I'm happy and thrilled to have Dr. Jack Newman back on the show. You most likely know Jack from the books he's written, um, one with Teresa Pittman known in the U.S. as the ultimate breastfeeding book of answers or Dr. Jack Newman's Guide to Breastfeeding. That's how it's known in Canada. He More recently, he and Teresa wrote the book, The Latch and Other Keys to Breastfeeding Success. And he also has a great DVD resource called Dr. Jack Newman's Visual Guide to Breastfeeding. In 1984, Jack founded the first hospital-based breastfeeding clinic in Canada and has been a consultant for UNICEF for the Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative, evaluating the first candidate hospitals in Gabon, the Ivory Coast, and Canada. Jack has written articles or given talks on possibly anything that may affect breastfeeding, including medications, jaundice, formula use, nipple confusion, nipple pain, latch, prematurity, nipple shields, and ways to encourage, support, and maintain breastfeeding relationships. He currently works at the Newman Breastfeeding Clinic and Institute, based at the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine in Toronto, where he creates many breastfeeding resources and helps moms diagnose breastfeeding concerns, treat pain, address milk supply issues, and concerns around baby's health as related to feeding and help to prevent future problems. Jack, welcome. So happy to have you here. 
Yes, it's been a long time. If I may make one correction. Yes. Uh, the Ultimate Breastfeeding Book of Answers has been revised as of 2014 or 15 and is now called the Dr. Jack Newman's uh, Guide to Breastfeeding, even in the United States. And it's available through uh, uh, Pinter and Martin uh, publishers uh, in the United States, in the European community, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. That simplifies things. Now it's got the same name everywhere. That's it. Good, good, and updated. So, yes, Dr. Jack Newman's Guide to Breastfeeding. So, it was 2014-15? Uh, yeah, the Canadian edition came out in 2014. I think the, the uh, U.S. edition came out in 2015. Yes, it had to. It didn't come out in 2016, that's for sure. <laughs> so... Today, I was thinking we would talk about jaundice since it's something that's incredibly prevalent, but moms don't, it can be scary. What is jaundice? Let's start there. Okay, well, the uh, color that gives the, the, the uh, compound that gives the color to the baby's skin, which is yellowish uh, or yellow, uh, is called bilirubin. And bilirubin is formed from the uh, breakdown of red blood cells in the baby's blood or even the adult's blood. Uh, most of the time, uh, it's taken care of very easily. Uh, it's uh, uh, it comes out in the uh, it comes out in the bowel movements uh, after having been metabolized a little bit further in the uh, liver. It really is not as big a problem as people try to imagine. In fact, uh, bilirubin is an antioxidant, and it's really uh, protective of babies. Uh, uh, cells and uh, uh, prevents uh, hyperoxygen from uh, uh, from damaging those cells. So bilirubin is not bad. Bilirubin can actually be very good. It's only in certain circumstances where it is bad. Okay. So a couple of things from what you said that just ideas that thought that came up in my mind. You say it's very prevalent. Let's talk about that. How often do babies get jaundice? Well, it's uh, probably uh, universal in the first few days. And what's different about the breastfed baby who is breastfeeding well and gaining weight well is that it can last uh, for quite some time, even into the third month of life. Something that most uh, doctors, unfortunately, and even more unfortunately, most pediatricians don't seem to realize. And that, so it's very normal. It's nothing for moms to be concerned about necessarily, but there is a jaundice that can be a signal. A yeah. So let's talk about that difference. Which one is a concern? Well, uh, in certain circumstances, the baby's bilirubin can rise very high in the first few days or in the first week. And that is usually associated with hemolysis. Uh, that is the breakdown of red cells more rapidly than usual. The problem there is that it's not just the bilirubin and the, the, uh, the jaundice that's the problem. The problem is that the baby uh, is breaking down more cells than he should be. And at the same time, this is often associated with uh, other metabolic problems such as, uh, uh, you know, uh, anemia. Uh, it's associated with all sorts of problems that actually may make it dangerous. It's not what most... Uh, people don't understand, and I'm including doctors here, that it's not just about the level of the jaundice. It's everything that goes with it. So a high bilirubin in itself 
is not necessarily a problem. So when the uh, baby has a high bilirubin in the first few days, there's the problem of breakdown of red cells, but there's also another problem, and that is that many babies will have high bilirubins or you know, what looks like excessive jaundice in the first few days or week when the baby is not breastfeeding well. And so if the baby's not breastfeeding well, is not getting a lot of milk from the breast, then that bilirubin can go higher. But again, it's not just about the uh, level of jaundice. It's the fact that the baby is not breastfeeding well. So what, I hope this is not too long here. No, no, keep going. So what the real issue is, what do they do in most hospitals? Well, they give the baby formula. And when the baby gets more milk, then the bilirubin comes down. And so in the minds of so many doctors, and mothers too, and fathers, uh, in the minds of all these people, it's the breast milk that's the problem. But it's not the breast milk that's the problem. The problem is that the baby isn't getting breast milk. And of course, if you give the baby extra milk by giving the baby formula, then it looks as if the breast milk is the problem. But what really should be done is make sure that the baby is breastfeeding well. And I hate to say this, but I think that most nurses in most hospitals, and I say most uh, most nurses and most doctors and most hospitals in North America and in Western Europe and in Australia don't know the first thing about how to help a mother breastfeed well. It all comes down to getting a baby to latch on well, and they don't know how to do this. And so instead of helping the mothers with the breastfeeding, what really happens is that the baby gets formula. And of course, the mother leaves the hospital, possibly still formula feeding or giving formula supplements, and thinking that her baby was just saved from brain damage because the baby got formula. And I think that the real issue here is that the baby was not getting enough breast milk, and that's the real problem. Right, because at the end of the whole thing is baby needs to poop out the bilirubin. And, exactly. And so, so, Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> So if he needs to poop out the bilirubin, if he's not getting enough milk, there's not enough food going through, so that can create poops, and that's that's the issue that you're talking about. Uh, yes, exactly, exactly. The baby is not getting enough, but instead of helping the mother with the breastfeeding, the babies get for uh, the mothers uh, are told that they must give the baby formula, and again, it looks as if the formula saved the baby somehow. Right, and. It's, Going back to differentiating between the two types of, of jaundice, this, you know, more normal, common sort of, quote unquote, breast milk jaundice or or not. Yeah. Which is like, why do we call it breast milk jaundice? Because babies that are breastfed exclusively tend to get more of it. Uh, there's that. But I think that we shouldn't call it breast milk jaundice uh, because it's normal. And what we should be calling it, it, what we should be talking about is the absence of jaundice in formula-fed babies. That's not normal. Right. Because it's not normal to formula feed. Right. So we're taking the, the formula as being our baseline, formula-fed babies as baseline and applying it to breastfeeding. And because it doesn't match, we're thinking there's something wrong with the breastfed babies. Exactly, where it should be the other way around, is that the breastfed baby is the normal baby, 
and the uh, formula fed baby is uh, the exception to normal. Right. So no, it's normal for babies to get jaundice, but with these two types, one is completely normal. The other one might be a signal of other problems, other things happening. Are there other signs that can help moms tell the difference between the two or what should what should be the their actions? Well, we have a we have a website where uh, uh, mothers are shown. Uh, there are video clips available there that discuss uh, and there's text there for uh, uh, to explain what those video clips are all about. And it shows a number of small babies, including a 10 day, a 10 hour old baby who is actually drinking milk from the breast. And you can tell, you can tell, and we try to explain how you can tell. We also have video clips of older uh, babies so that the obvious uh, long pause in the baby's chin, which is uh, what you can see in the older baby, which I think it's called, our video clip there is called Really Good Drinking. The mothers can see what the pause looks like. That pause in the chin as the baby opens up his mouth to the widest point is a sign, I just got a mouthful of milk. And the longer the pause, the more milk the baby got. So the 10-hour-old baby in our video clips, that baby is, uh, has show, is showing pauses in the chin that says he's getting milk, but it's subtle. And I think that's why we, I usually recommend see the older baby first and see how he's drinking, then go back to the uh, uh, 10-hour-old baby and see how he's drinking. And so there's texts that accompany that, uh, those videos that we have on our website, and, that, and those videos are, uh, have uh, explanatory texts in 22 different languages, so that if the mother is, uh, say, Spanish-speaking or feels more comfortable in Spanish, we have the texts are there in Spanish. If they're Arabic-speaking, we have it in Arabic as well, for example. Fantastic. Now, I was reading through some of the information on on jaundice and, and getting this differentiation before I talk to you, just to prepare. And um, one of the things I read through your website as well was that the more alarming jaundice that needs to be, that is not normal, that signals to other problems happening, that one affects the color of the urine? Okay, so yes, that's right. One of the things that needs to be differentiated in a baby who continues to have uh, jaundice after the first week or so is just to make sure that the baby doesn't have a problem with his liver. So it's called, uh, the most common cause in a baby who's say two or three weeks old is called biliary atresia. And that is that the the the, uh, the tube that goes from the liver to the gut, which is the way the baby gets rid of the bilirubin, those, that, those, uh, that duct is blocked. And then that's an issue. And it's always abnormal uh, that, the, that the baby gets this sort of jaundice. Uh, and the signal is that the baby will have brownish urine. Uh, now, I don't mean yellow. I don't mean sort of, uh, you know, the light color yellow that a baby will have in the uh, usual situation or the clear, clear urine that the baby will have. Uh, the baby will have brownish urine. And this is, a, uh, this is obvious even from 
two or three weeks of life, sometimes even earlier than that. And so if, that, if the baby has that sort of urine, we have to make sure that the baby doesn't have biliary atresia or some other cause of liver disease. And because if the longer you wait, then the more uh, damage to the liver occurs and eventually the baby will get cirrhosis if it's not uh, noticed or treated or uh, picked up. And that also goes a lot, like a baby that is presenting that will be presenting jaundice as well. Yes, yes. Although if you're, if you're really good at color uh, vision, then uh, the people describe, I'm not, but people describe the baby with biliary atresia as having greenish yellow rather than the real yellow or, or even orange that the, uh, uh, the baby has with uh, what's, so co- what's called John, uh, breast milk jaundice. Mm-hmm. With the more common and and it, you know I think when what I, I look through the March of Dimes and it says that three in five babies you know that sixty percent will get this normal jaundice and I don't think mothers are being told this like then it becomes the thing of oh my goodness I have to you know baby's got a little jaundice we have to check the levels and I have to go back in for a blood test and it can be alarming. It can be alarming because the doctor's alarmed. And if the doctor's alarmed, why wouldn't the mother be alarmed if they keep testing for no good reason? I mean, if I saw a baby who was perfectly uh, well, uh, uh, happy, growing, uh, uh, breastfeeding well, and has jaundice, say, of a level, everybody knows the levels because we keep doing them over and over again. But if that baby had a level of 10 at one month of age, I wouldn't worry about that. I would make sure that he didn't have uh, you know, brownish urine, I would make sure he didn't have a big liver. But uh, if everything was perfect and he had a bilirubin of 10, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Right. And you would look to make sure that he's breastfeeding well and... and... Ab- absolutely. That is critical to make sure he's breastfeeding well. But these babies look well. They They are typically breastfeeding well and gaining weight well and drinking well at the breast. And uh, it's, again, probably uh, of an advantage to the baby to be uh, somewhat uh, jaundiced because of bilirubin being an antioxidant. Mm -hmm. How about phototherapy? How, uh, what is the point of that and how often should it be indicated? Well, that is a complicated question, that's for sure. The answer to that complicated question is right after the break. Stay with us. Did you know that even though most expectant moms plan to breastfeed, the majority aren't really adequately prepared to get off to a good start? That is why world-renowned breastfeeding experts Dr. Teresa Nesbitt and Nancy Moorbacher have created their fabulous Quick Start video that gives you everything you need to know to get started with natural breastfeeding. Best of all, it's free. How awesome is that? Through their Quick Start video, you'll learn a simple technique that prevents nipple pain. You'll also find about the simplest way to help a newborn latch, as well as the best way to produce enough milk for your baby. These things will set you well on your way to a blissful breastfeeding relationship. And did I mention that it's free? Go watch the quick start video to natural breastfeeding at naturalbreastfeeding.com. We're back. Here's Jack again. Well, that is a complicated question, that's for sure. And I think that the... uh, uh, that first of all, 
most babies who are getting jaw, uh, uh, phototherapy probably don't need it. Uh, some do, and I wouldn't say it's never necessary, but I am concerned about it. There's an article recently uh, that came out uh, that showed that uh, phototherapy actually can cause DNA damage in cells, which, of course, may be a problem because, you know, DNA damage suggests possible changes to cancer. So, you know, that's I, I doubt if that's, you know, undoubtedly proven, but I think it should remind us that very few, uh, very few interventions that we do in medicine are free in the sense of they don't cause possible problems. Right. There's always a, consequences or, or risks or side effects. Right. Like giving formula when you don't need it. Right. So, um, but if a child does... So when do they suggest the phototherapies? Is it when when there's... Uh, the bilirubin levels are coming up very elevated for several days. Are they concerned about the? Is this like for the um, more dangerous or the actual dangerous type of jaundice? Uh, yeah, I think the, uh, the the American Academy of Pediatrics and the uh, Canadian Pediatric Society, and I'm sure that most uh, pediatric societies around the world have their sort of protocol that if the bilirubin is higher than such and such on day two or three or it's rising very quickly, then they would recommend uh, uh, phototherapy. But I think in many cases they're missing the boat. I don't say that they shouldn't be giving phototherapy. What I think they should be doing, though, once again, is getting back and making sure that the baby is breastfeeding well. If the baby is breastfeeding really well and yet the bilirubin is rising, I think that they should be checking for... Uh, baby uh, breaking down red blood cells mm -hmm. or for infections. Infection can also cause the bilirubin to rise. But if the baby is a happy, gaining baby who is, uh, you know, well, we don't see well gaining in the first three or four days, but we see babies who are drinking well or not drinking well. If the baby is really drinking well, I wouldn't worry too much about phototherapy. If the baby is not drinking well, then again, phototherapy is perhaps a help, but the real issue is let's get the baby breastfeeding well. That's where we're missing the boat. Right. Actually solve the problem, not just the symptoms. Exactly. We do too much of that in medicine. Yeah, yeah. Treat the symptoms, not the, not the uh, problem. Exactly. And um, I do think it's important to let uh, listeners, let moms know that there, if phototherapy is recommended, there is a thing... There are light therapy blankets, fiber optic blankets. Yeah, um, billy blankets, they call them. Billy yeah. blankets. I just learned about this. So you could, you don't actually have to, if you have a billy blanket, you could do the therapy at home and not have to go to the hospital and have your baby separate from you and all that. Right. But again, the question is, when, how, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The, I just touched something and it uh, went funny. Okay. Uh, the, the real question comes back once again, is the baby breastfeeding well or not? And sometimes we can wait. We can say, okay, he seems to be breastfeeding well. Let's wait a day and see how things are going. And then we can decide about what's important, what's not important. Right. And more of a observant and <laughs> I, I like the observant. I like the wait and see <laughs> technique. Right. Well, the thing, the thing is that some babies get very sleepy 
Uh, and, uh, you know, the, again, the jaundice is blamed. The baby is sleepy because he's got jaundice. But often, if the baby is that sleepy, it's not because of the jaundice. It's because the baby's not feeding well. And a baby in the first three or four days after birth, if they really are not breastfeeding well, may actually be very, very sleepy. And again, it's blamed on the jaundice. But it's not the jaundice. It's because the baby's not feeding well. Mm. So what are some tips and tricks or recommendations to help, if baby's very sleepy, to get them to start feeding well? Well, uh, if the baby's latching on, then to make sure they latch on well and that they breastfeed well. So how do we do that? Well, if the baby is breastfeeding well, uh, sorry, if the baby's latched on well, then the baby should be drinking well as well. But, you know, we often recommend a technique that uh, we call uh, breast compression, which is, you know, the baby's on the breast and the baby's sucking but doesn't seem to be drinking very much. Then we say to the mother, get your hand around the breast. And as the baby sucks, and doesn't seem to be drinking, then compress the breast, squeeze it. And that should push milk into the baby's mouth. And so the baby will start to get more milk. If the baby gets more milk, then uh, the baby will wake up. Uh, a baby who doesn't wake up on his own, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, mothers are often told, well, make sure you feed the baby every two or three hours. Well, there's no point in putting the baby to the breast two, every two or three hours if he's getting almost nothing. I mean, you know, eight times nothing is still the same as six times nothing. So get the baby on the breast, get the baby feeding well, use compression, switch sides, and don't listen to anybody that says you should feed the baby on just one breast at a feeding, and just make sure that baby is feeding well and the baby will wake up. If worse gets to worse, the baby can be supplemented at the breast uh, with a tube at the breast, so that he's at the breast and drinking from the breast and from the supplement at the same time. And in the first few days, I'm perfectly okay with, uh, uh, with sugar water, with 5% dextrose. I don't think formula is necessary most of the time. You mean in conjunction with whatever they're getting from the breast? Exactly. With a tube at the breast that supplements the baby at the breast. Which goes back to mom, you know, that one, I really want to let the moms listening know and then the expectant moms like set up a lactation consultant beforehand like make sure you have somebody look at jack's videos on his on, not of jack but the videos he has on his website um of a baby eating well and what or that not. and latching not or not like compare so that you can really see what's going on with your baby right exactly and i think that uh, you know the problem in hospitals is that too many lactation consultants are hamstrung by uh, routines and protocols that they probably don't even agree with but have to follow because it's hospital protocol. And these hospital protocols are often made up by pediatricians who, with all due respect for what many pediatricians do with regard to everything but breastfeeding, they don't know anything about breastfeeding. There are very few doctors pediatricians who know anything about breastfeeding and I think that this is the problem in hospital is that the uh, lactation consultant cannot go outside the bounds of here's our protocol if the baby loses 10% of his birth weight you have to supplement if the baby's got a bilirubin of so much you have to give them formula uh, and I think that that is where a real problem is I think that in that situation a private lactation consultant may actually be a better choice although they may not always be allowed into the hospital it's a real problem because the hospital uh, staff 
The lactation consultants are bound by uh, uh, protocols that are made up by doctors and pediatricians who really don't know very much about breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case and your independent, your private lactation consultant can't get into the hospital, then, you know, set up to see her right as soon as you get home. Yeah. Yeah. Jack, is there anything else about jaundice that needs to be said? Well, I guess, uh, you know, there are all sorts of things that come up. I think, again, I think the main thing is from the very beginning, make sure that the baby feeds well and then... Remember that a baby who is exclusively breastfeeding and, you know, breastfeeding well and gaining weight well may actually be have a touch of jaundice, sometimes more than a touch, uh, into the third and fourth month of, of life. And it's more likely if they're anything but Caucasian. So that if the, uh, if the baby is, say, of, uh, you know, both parents or even one parent is Chinese, uh, the bilirubin actually may be higher and last longer than if they're Caucasian. And the same thing for uh, babies of African origin, of Mediterranean origin, almost anything but Northern European, and they tend to have higher levels of jaundice and uh, jaundice that lasts longer. But again, this is not necessarily abnormal. This is, could be very normal. Mm-hmm. So to recap, make sure baby's feeding well. That's the ultimate. Know that it's normal, so don't be alarmed. Just, you know. Well, know that it's normal in most cases if it's prolonged. It's what, what they call prolonged. I wouldn't call it prolonged. I would say it's normal to be jaundiced into the third or fourth month of life. And pay attention to, you know, just if baby is, is jaundiced, yes, go ahead, do some tests, but also have this information in your back pocket. Yeah, because if the billy, the point is get the billy Rubin out. If everything's normal, getting the billy Rubin out will, it, you know, solve the problem. If there is a an, another physic, another it's the so the cause is actually something wrong with the baby. Then that's not just going to sl- solve it. Well, the uh, the the issue is that the billy Rubin is a symptom in most cases. Mm-hmm. So let's not, you know, get all hung up about the bilirubin. Let's find out why it's elevated. So if the baby, in most cases, what's happening, if the baby has got a higher than average bilirubin in the first couple of days or first few days of life, it's usually because they're not feeding well. There are other causes, but that's the most common. And if the baby continues to be jaundiced into the third uh, month of life and there's no evidence of liver disease and the baby is otherwise well, then leave them alone and stop worrying the mothers. We've actually had mothers who stopped breastfeeding because they said to me, uh, you know, know, I just didn't want the baby to have any more uh, heel pricks so that they could test the bilirubin. Oh, that's horrible. It is. (laughs) That's horrible. And... So, okay, we talked about the, the this normally occurring jaundice. Make sure baby is feeding well and keep breastfeeding. Don't substitute, you know, don't bring in formula, but actually fix the breastfeeding. Right. And on, on some occasions, uh, the you know, fixing the breastfeeding may require some sort of supplementation. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we can't be too... Uh, uh, we can't be too, uh, you know, hamstrung by this idea that it's all we have to do is fix the breastfeeding because that will work in most cases. But if every so often, you know, then it might not. So let's 
let's be free to do what we need to do, but I don't want to give the uh, impression that this is something that would be necessary in 99% of the cases, as it seems to be right now. Oh, your Billy Rubin, the Billy baby's Billy Rubin is up, so you have to give formula. Right, right. So, you know, in that one case, like, first try to, you know, make sure baby's eating well, but also if it's, if it's, if it is a physical problem with something else, something with the liver or something, um, a more, a, you know, something that's not physiologic. Um, in that case, breastfeeding has nothing to do with it, and they can continue breastfeeding as well. Right. If the baby has biliaretresia, that's a that's a very serious illness, and may use may end up with the baby requiring a liver transplant. I mean, it's very serious, but it's got nothing to do with breastfeeding. Do you know what the incidence of that is? Like, what the percentage? Of that happening, is- I think it's about one in six to ten thousand babies are bo- have biliary atresia. Right. So I mean, it's not something that happens every day. Right. Right. And we're not saying you know, oh, it's always normal. No, but usually it's usually, <laughs> usually it's yeah. normal. Very good. Anything else about jaundice? <laughs> no, I think uh, I think off the top of my head, I don't. Uh, remember anything I need to say? Hey, um, I I think I I know it's a very specific topic we're talking about today, but I I see so many moms get worked up about it, and I, right. that it's important to to get the information out there. Right, there's a whole chapter in my recently revised book about just about jaundice. Just on jaundice. So moms, go get Jack's book, and if they want to contact you or see more of what you're doing, how can they do that? Uh, they, they can go to our website, which is, uh, nbci.ca, uh, and at the bottom of the page, there's a, uh, there's a, a, a button for contact us. And so they answer the questions and then send. And, uh, there's not like 54 questions. It's like seven or eight questions that are very, uh, you know, are, they don't require a lot of input. And then send it, and I will get back to them. Mm-hmm. And you are really good at getting back to people. And also, I would recommend that they first like look through the videos. Get You have so many great resources on there. Great. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. It's always lovely talking to you, Jack. Thank you, and Adriana. See you again. Mighty Mamas, I love to hear from you. So share with me your thoughts. And if there's a certain topic you'd like to know more about, let me know. Stay in touch by following Birthful on Facebook or Twitter or subscribe at birthful.com. A huge thanks to Natural Breastfeeding for sponsoring the show and to all the official friends of the show who helped me do this week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and join my adventure in figuring out how to do things differently, please go to patreon.com slash birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada. Please join me next week when I'll be talking to another maternity pro to inform your intuition here at the Birthful Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Mighty One. Did you know that if you started listening to one Birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know.